Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope that this sermon will guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org for more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Today is Easter. Today is that annual reminder that death has been overcome. They laid his body in the tomb on Friday, but the tomb could not contain him. Hallelujah. But somehow, it really doesn't feel like Easter this year, does it? It's just weird. Instead of wearing Easter bonnets and carrying baskets, we're wearing face masks and carrying bottles of hand sanitizer. Instead of Easter egg hunts, we're going on toilet paper hunts. Instead of gathering in the cemetery to proclaim, he's not here, Christ is risen, we gather in front of screens in what we hope to be the safety of our own home. I mean, for me, it's a little bit hard and weird to think that this is Easter. Because it doesn't really feel much like Easter, does it? I mean, the truth is, I miss you. (laughs) I grieve because of what we have missed together. I grieve because we could not wave the palms together in last Sunday. I grieve because we could not share in Holy Communion on Maundy Thursday. I grieve because on Good Friday, we could not be with one another in our own guilt and shame. And I grieve today on the day of hallelujah because I'm worried, how are you? I grieve today because instead of gathering with my family for a wonderful Easter meal, we're going to gather this afternoon for a Zoom call. I grieve because of what we were supposed to be able to experience. I grieve because this day we were supposed to be able to celebrate a baptism. But instead, we're in a near empty building. I grieve today because in the words of Pastor Corey, we aren't able to adorn the cross with flowers that was first adorned with blood. We're missing out on so much. And I grieve. You know, this past Monday morning... After I'd taken my dog out for a walk, I did something that I probably should not have done. I turned on the news. (laughs) I felt like I needed to enter into the week armed with knowledge and information, and so I watched the news that I had been avoiding. And as I did, I heard the warnings from last weekend that this week was going to be a hard week for many of us, that this week might be our 9-11, that this week might be our Pearl Harbor. I felt myself beginning to slip down into that pit of darkness and despair that I've known from time to time in my life, known as depression. I have a hunch that I'm probably not the only one. But in that pit of darkness and despair, this week it seemed oddly appropriate that the significance of what we're going through right now might fit our understanding and it might work within our faith. Sensing the darkness of the week, it had me pondering and wondering about many things. I wonder what the darkness felt like to the disciples as they made their way into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday. Did they have a deep, foreboding sense that this was all about to come to a tragic end? I wonder what darkness Mary, Mother Mary, must have felt that week, watching her son go through all that he went through. For I imagine that the mother felt... The feelings that the mother felt for her son were truly magnified 
I wonder what darkness Pilate must have felt as he had his hands, his, washed his hands of this innocent man, and yet his hands were forced by the authorities to execute this man. I wonder about the darkness that Simon Peter felt when he did what he previously thought he would never do, and yet he denied Christ those three times. I wonder what darkness Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus felt as they willingly made themselves unclean and impure by taking the corpse, Jesus' body, and covering it with spices and linen wrappings and placing the body in a new tomb in the garden. I wonder the depth of the shock and the grief that those who were close to Jesus were experiencing. I really don't have to wonder that much about that because most of us probably know the, the weight of losing someone that we love dearly. The sense of loss. The sense of fear. The fear of what was to come for them. The sense of denial. The sense of just being numb. Becoming so numb that we can't feel you there. We become so tired and so much more aware. In the midst of all of my wonderings, I realize that maybe the sense of darkness and despair that we're feeling right now Maybe that's going to edify our Easter experience. Because we have got to acknowledge the reality that even though today is Easter, even though it is Easter, it may not feel like it for many. But you know what I'm clinging to right now? It's just like the sermon said from long ago. It feels like Friday, but Sunday's coming. Yes, these days are more and more like the sorrow, worry, darkness, and fear from Good Friday. But we, when we look back, we know that without a doubt, Sunday's coming. And today, Sunday's here. The way that the beloved disciple tells the story on that day that Jesus came forth. Mary Magdalene made her way to the tomb early, while it was still dark. The fact that she goes before the sun even rises, that it must have been a restless night for her. I can relate to some of those. She could not wait for the sun to rise, but soon she would experience the risen sun. From what we have learned about the stages that we experience when we experience grief, one wonders what stage maybe Mary was in that day. Was she in denial? Maybe saying to herself that surely what had happened had just been a bad dream, and it hadn't really happened at all. Maybe that's why she makes her way to the tomb before the sun comes up, trying to prove to herself that it was all just a bad dream. Was she in anger? Wondering how God could allow something like this to have happened. Why didn't God stop it? Somebody has got to be blamed for this. Maybe she was already bargaining. Saying, if God, if you only would bring Jesus back, I will devote all of my life to you. Perhaps she was in that stage of depression, questioning if all of this was somehow her fault. That life will never be the same without him, and I don't know how, but I have to carry on. Maybe she was already, some crazy way, already in acceptance, accepting the reality of life. Without Jesus. In our circumstances today, we can probably find ourselves somewhere in the midst of one of those stages. Maybe we're in denial. Maybe we're angry. Maybe we're bargaining with God. Maybe we've sunk into the darkness of depression. Or maybe we've accepted, we've fallen into acceptance that this is the new norm for us 
for who knows how long. In a way, I feel like we're all Mary. We're all Mary on this Easter morn, walking in a hazy darkness towards a tomb. But when Mary gets there, we all know what she finds. The stone is already rolled away. Now note, as Pastor Corey read the scripture, it doesn't say that Mary looked into the tomb. She simply sees that the stone has been removed. And she runs to Simon Peter and John and tells them that they have taken the body away. The mysterious they that she concludes have taken the body away perhaps indicates that she's somewhere in that moment of anger stage because she's got to find somebody to blame. Simon Peter and John race to the tomb and the writer indicates that they stoop down and look into the tomb and sure enough, the body is not there. They only find the linen wrappings lying there. But they did not yet understand that in leaving the wrappings there, Jesus had left death behind. And just like that, these two men leave behind Mary in the tomb to return to their own homes. <laughs> Mary, in her anger, in her confusion, in her absolute frustration at what was happening and what had happened to the body of Christ, had to have felt absolutely abandoned and left behind there at that tomb. Simon, Peter, and John weren't even going to help her find the body. Did they not understand what a big deal this was? She had to have felt so completely alone. But she was not alone. <laughs> As she is weeping and mourning, she is soon to find that the promise that Jesus gave in the Sermon on the Mount, when he gave the Beatitudes, was true for her as well. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Soon she looks into the tomb, and she sees two angels in white sitting where the body of Christ had lain. They ask her, woman, why are you weeping? They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him, she replies. She turns and then sees none other than Jesus himself. But as the gospel writer tells us, she did not know it was him. And he asked her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Do you get what Jesus is doing there? I mean, I can just imagine the excitement, the thrill that Jesus has within him. That he gets to reveal to her that he has been victorious. Death has been conquered. He speaks to her. And to be certain, she knows his voice. I mean... Sometimes I have friends try to play pranks on me and call with a fake voice. But I still know their voice. I know it's them. But the thing is this. She sees Jesus, but she doesn't see Jesus. She hears Jesus, but she doesn't hear Jesus. I imagine that in that moment, Jesus wanted to just say, Mary, look up. Look at me. Listen to me. I am here. Folks, Mary continues. She says to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. That's when Jesus does it. The big reveal. That's the moment that victory is realized. Mary, he says. And in that moment, she looks and she sees. She listens 
and she hears. Folks, right now it feels like we're standing there outside of the tomb looking for Jesus. We're confused, we're hurt, we're worried, we're scared. We're walking through the stages of grief and we do not know how long it's going to be like this. It feels like we have fallen into these deep, dark waters of uncertainty. But today is the day of resurrection, the day of victory, Easter Sunday. And I say to you, look up. Look and see that Jesus is right there with you. Listen and hear that you are not alone. This Easter, we acknowledge the reality of the suffering and pain that we are enduring and that Jesus himself endured to pay a price that we could not pay. And as much as that hurts to know that my actions and your actions put him on that cross and into that tomb, he still chose to go. Jesus runs and dives into those deep, dark waters that we find ourselves in right now to rescue us. And on Easter, we don't stay in that place of hurt. We don't stay in that place of pain because he didn't stay on that cross and he didn't stay in that tomb. Today, this Easter, we acknowledge the reality of the difficulties that we're enduring, but we are living in unprecedented times so that many of us feel so ill-equipped and underprepared. But look up. Jesus is all around us. Look up. He's found in the ways that people are reaching out and checking in on neighbors and friends. Look up. He is standing behind the counter ensuring that you are able to get all the necessary supplies during the midst of this quarantine. Look up. For he's on the sidewalk where the children are writing messages of hope. Look up because he's found on Zoom calls where people are studying the Bible together and checking in on one another. Look up. He's found in the children and the families that made the crosses for Easter and put them out in their yard and today are adorning them with flowers. Look up, for he is found in our youth that are sharing with their gifts and their talents with us, as even demonstrated today up here on this stage in worship. Look up, because he was found in the moving Maundy Thursday service and the words of Pastor Corey, and he is found in the oddly uplifting Good Friday service. Look up, because he's found in our practice of social distancing, so that we will not put undue stress on our medical health systems, And so that we can protect the most vulnerable in our society. Look up. He's found in the homes of those that are making face masks for those that need them. Look up. For he is found in front of computer screens where you sit right now. Maybe even behind those computer screens from those that have written and participated in the Lenten devotionals that we shared. That touched my heart every single day. Look up, look up, look up. He's right here. These days are not our last. And one day, our children will tell their children about how they saw Jesus during the midst of COVID-19. These days are not our last. And the next time that we celebrate Holy Communion, it will be the sweetest meal that I have ever tasted. We will not lose faith in the end of the story. We will not doubt that we will get through this. We will prevail. And in the end, these days will be a defining moment for the church that will be remembered for generations to come. And look up. There will be a day that we will gather together once again in this space. And oh, what a day of rejoicing that will be. I don't know when that'll be, but I'm certain of this. 
whatever day it is that we gather together to worship once again, that's going to be Easter. We're calling that day a day of victory, that day a day of resurrection. Crosses will be flowered, eggs will be hunted, and we will raise a hallelujah. For when the church gathers together once again, whether it's in June, July, August, when, that day, we are proclaiming to be Easter. (laughs) To paraphrase the words of Winston Churchill, we are walking with destiny. And all of our past life has been but a preparation for this hour and for this trial. We were made for this moment. But the thing is, we must first do this. Look up. The scarcity and isolation that we are currently experiencing is just a small price that we are paying for a glorious future. We don't know when that future, what that future holds. But just as Jesus walked out of the darkness of that tomb, we will walk into the brightness of a new day. This past week I saw a video that reminded me of a part of a book that I had read several years ago called Good to Great by Jim Collins. Jim Collins made a video on YouTube and shared it, and he retold the story of Admiral Jim Stockdale. Admiral Stockdale was shot down in Vietnam and was thrown into the Hanoi Hilton prisoner war camp during the height of the Vietnam War. He was tortured over 20 times in his eight years of imprisonment and lived it all out having no idea how long he would be there or if he would ever get to see his family again. But he was the ranking officer, and so he bore the burden of leadership over all of those soldiers that were held in that same camp. When Jim Collins asked Admiral Stockdale, how on earth did he deal with all that was going on there in the midst of that, Admiral Stockdale told him, I never lost faith in the end, in the end of the story. I never doubted, not only would I get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into a defining moment of my life, which in retrospect, I would not trade. See, the admiral was able to recognize the reality of the hurt, the suffering that he was enduring, the lack of knowledge of how long this was going to go on. But he never lost faith in the end of the story. Mary, there at the tomb, she found her faith again faith in the end of the story today look up find your faith in the end of the story Jesus does not remain hanging on a cross Jesus does not remain laying in a tomb look up Jesus is here in the moment we look up and see Jesus in that moment we will know that we're living in a time that will be a defining moment of our lives Look up, see that he is here. Now maybe you've always known that Jesus is there. Maybe even in the midst of this crisis and isolation, you've felt his loving presence the entire time. And maybe you have not felt the worry, frustration, and fear that so many of us have. Or maybe you feel like you've fallen into the deep and dark waters of uncertainty. And you fear that you're going under. If that's you, I have one more thing to say. One thing you may not know about me personally is that while I love the outdoors, I hate camping. I've always hated camping. When I was a Cub Scout, it was awful. I was always in the tent with the stinky kids. 
I can't stand it. And a few years ago, as I was serving a church, they decided to have a father and child camp out in one of the local fields that someone owned. And there in that field was a pond, and so it was a pretty setting, but I had to borrow everything because, did I mention I hate camping? So somebody gave me a tent that I could use, and I tried to put it up. I mean, it was a real intense experience. Boom, boom. And as we were there that night, we had a campfire, and kids were fishing at the pond, and roasted marshmallows and weenies, and we, it, was, it was okay until we tried to sleep, because someone in the tent next to me was snoring so loudly that you couldn't even hear the crickets, and even someone in my tent kept snoring so loudly that he kept waking up his two sons. So it was a restless night. And as the sun came up, everybody began to make their way out of the tent. And that morning, it was so cool. It was cold. It was damp. And so all the fathers had gathered over by the campfire. One had begun to make some coffee for us. And the kids were out by the pond. And there was a little pier that went a ways out onto the pond for fishing. And so a lot of the kids had gone out onto the pier. And they were skipping rocks across the water. And as a sat there in my chair by the fire, sipping on my coffee, I heard a sound that could only have been a child falling into the water. Without even looking, I threw my cup of coffee to the side, and I began to make my way as fast as I could. In my mind, it sounded like the sound of chariots of fire music playing, and I'm running in slow motion like on Baywatch or something. It probably wasn't that glamorous. But as I approached the edge of the waters, I jumped into the air ready to dive in. And at that moment, I saw my child's face bobbing up. You know what I did? I stopped midair and turned around. I said, you got yourself into this. You can get yourself out. Nah, that's not what I did. He couldn't swim. So I dove into those waters. I grabbed him into my arms. And I brought him back to the safety of the shore. Folks, today, if you're in the deep, dark waters of uncertainty, today know that the one that came running out of that tomb is running to you. That one is coming and offering you that new hope, that new life, that is the resurrection day. Today can be that day that you find yourself safely in the arms of Jesus as he brings you into this new life. If that's you today, I'm going to invite you to do something with me. And maybe it's a little weird, but I'm going to invite you to pray with me. And so whether you're praying this prayer or not, I invite you. Let's just bow our heads. And if you are praying that prayer, I invite you to repeat after me. Lord, I'm so tired. I can't do this on my own. I know that you love me. And I know that you are here. I am not alone. Save me, Lord. May my life become a reflection of my Savior. Amen. Now, church, you may not have prayed that prayer right now, and that's absolutely fine. But I have a feeling somebody did. Someone prayed that prayer, and today is a day of Easter that they have never experienced before. Today is the beginning of a journey. 
If you did pray that prayer, though, I want to ask you to do something for me. Would you email me? Leadpastor at OUMCmail.com. Again, leadpastor at OUMCmail.com. Email me. Let me know that you prayed that prayer so that I can be continuing to pray with you and to continue to encourage you as you begin life in this journey. And so churches, we think that somebody probably did pray that prayer. Let's pray one more time. Let's pray one more time, lifting them up. Lord God, you are the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last and everything in between. We praise you, Lord, for today, for you have done a new thing. You have breathed new life into dry bones, and we celebrate the new life we found in you and that we are not who we used to be, but instead we are a new creation. Today we give thanks for the new birth that others have received. May you guide them and lead them as they walk this path along with you. Use us as your hands and feet to come alongside them and to help them grow. Thank you for this immeasurable gift. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. And please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.